2: Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. He'll be talking in part about the question of whether Apple has lost interest in Macs. A bit later, we'll also hear from Joe Wilcox of Beta News. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us. And this is our first episode for 2017. So we have a little bit of catching up to do. But Let's move on. So let me tell you a story, Josh. And this is a really interesting one. Maybe you've heard about this. Now, one of the oldest Macs that can still run Mac OS Sierra is a 2010 MacBook Pro.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I have the 17-inch model, which explains why I haven't gotten rid of it for one of many reasons, which is, of course, the 17-inch continued until the following year, and when Apple went to the Retina display in 2012, they gave it up. I've had it updated with a 500-gigabyte solid-state drive, more RAM, supposedly quite compatible with macOS Sierra. So, this morning... My son's here and he's using the MacBook Pro, so I decided it needs to be updated to Sierra. I download it, start the installer, and says I first have to listen to this update with a new version of OS X server. This computer has never run OS X server. Ever hear of that?
4: That's uh, that's pretty strange. I I would probably just try to do a clean install.
2: Well, what I'm doing is we speak, and it will take a while to download. I am running a restore from the restore disk to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems to be starting the installation okay, but part of it is it may actually just be downloading macOS Sierra. Now, understand it didn't offer to reinstall El Capitan, which is what it was running. It decided to go straight to Sierra. I had no choice in the matter.
4: Yeah, that's, that's really strange. I, uh, I wouldn't know why I'd be asking you to update an OS 10 server first. So you, you've never had it on there? You've never, have you ever downloaded it at all?
2: No, it's just off my radar. The last time I dealt with a macOS server was probably more than six or seven years ago because I wrote a book about it with someone. And he had one of Apple's server's. Remember, they were selling that server a few years ago. He had Mm -hmm. one of those. Okay. And Apple sent it to us so we could write the book. They don't do that now, they aren't nice, but they sent it to us to write the book. And that's it. That was my exposure. We just swapped that box back and forth a couple of times, a few weeks each, to work on the book and get the screenshots. But that's it. I have no reason to use a server. Ain't that weird?
4: Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty odd. I, what version is the uh, is the MacBook running
2: now? Well, right now it's running El Capitan. Okay. And I downloaded, as I said, Mac OS CR. It downloaded fine, so it, I assume it realized that computer was correct. It's when I run the installer. The only thing I've done is reset the system management controller, the SMC and all that stuff to see what happened. But I thought maybe the restore disk would work only it didn't have a built-in restore disc it had to download it from scratch from apple Mm. so it is kind of weird we're going to see what happens i looked online to see about complaints installing sierra and this is not one i had really noticed at least from a direct google search or at apple's supports discussion boards it might be there and listeners if you have a similar problem you contact us here at the Tech Night Owl Live and let us know about it. And let's see what we can find out. But again, this is unusual enough I'll write a story about it. After I get a solution, it's going to take a while before we get the installation done. Maybe something we put in I thought might have corrupted it, or maybe the presence of a third-party drive is fouling it up. Hmm. I
4: don't know. (laughs) That's an odd one.
2: Well, that's what I live with. I also do a paranormal radio show, so I know about odd. Let's talk about other issues here, okay? Okay. All right. Stability, Mac OS X Sierra stability. And Mac OS stability in general. There's an article on your site. Sierra PDF problems get worse in 10.12.2. What kind of PDF problems are we talking about here?
4: Okay, so um, when Sierra was first launched, there are some problems when scanning with ScanSnap scanners. Uh, the, the PDF, there are some problems with the resulting PDFs. And Apple fixed that in 1012.1, but now in 1012.2, it seems to have introduced some more PDF issues. Most notably, if you uh, have a PDF with an optical character recognition layer. Um, like say you scan a text document and it and it also recognized the text and embedded that, if you edit that in Preview, Preview will strip that out. It'll delete that layer. There are also some other issues because uh, this, this traces back to the PDF kit framework in macOS. And what seems to have happened is that Apple is trying to merge PDF kit between iOS and macOS, and it's causing some problems. And uh, Adam Inkst documented this, and he he asked a number of developers about it. uh, In that article, he posted some quotes from different – because a lot of developers rely on PDF kit for PDF rendering in their apps, and they're experiencing things in their apps like crashes and so forth. So if you work with PDFs, it's kind of a headache. In the meantime, we recommend not editing PDFs with Preview unfortunately. Instead, use uh, Adobe's tools or uh, use uh, Smiles PDF Pen and uh, PDF Pen Pro because they don't use uh, Apple's PDF kit.
2: Okay, that's downright weird. I don't make PDF files that much, but I do occasionally, and I haven't run into any problems, but I don't do anything really, really sophisticated with it, and that may be part of the issue.
4: Right. Well, it's, it's a disappointing development because OS X, well, Mac OS now, has always had excellent uh, native PDF support because, of course, the Quartz rendering engine is actually based on PDF. And so you've always been able to basically print out anything, quote, print to a PDF. It's always had excellent support there. So it's disappointing that all these PDF problems are cropping up. Now, of course, Preview has always had um, sort of a... Not entirely standard implementation of PDF so it wasn't appropriate for some things, but for most people, you know like we we' never recommended preview for professional work, but um you know for most people, it wouldn't cause a problem, but now Apple is monkeying with that basic pdf engine it's it's causing some problems and it it kind of comes back to a recurring theme at Apple where they're trying to create the same code base between iOS and Mac OS and it's creating headaches for Mac users. And we saw that in iWork. We saw it in iWork when they tried to fix the iCloud syncing, and they ended up stripping some features from iWork on the Mac to make that happen.
2: Well, it's like going to the least common denominator. On the other hand, of course, iOS is based on what it used to be called OS X. Kind of stripped down. So I understand simplifying the code base, and that would make sense. You want to make a more reliable operating system. Who knows about this? I never try to figure out what Apple does or why Apple does things. But sometimes they act in ways that are inscrutable. I'm going to ask you on the other side about what your take is about that recent Bloomberg story that I guess the Mac platform kind of gets short shrift from Apple. And I want to know just how seriously you take it, or whether it's just somebody trying to create another situation for hit bait. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to ask, we'll go to the other side, we'll ask more about that question. In the meantime, this is our first show of 2017 for the Tech Night Out Live. We're talking to Josh Centers of tidbits and take control books. I'm Gene Steinberg. (laughs) Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to wwwlemkeysoftde slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de Are you tired of commuting to a job that
5: makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week you get to be the boss work from home and live a happier life at be the boss network you'll find hundreds of work from home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week
7: Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day
6: Did you know your car can be hacked just like your computer or phone? Hackers can hijack the signal of your own key fob to burglarize your vehicle in seconds. The Black Hole Faraday Key Fob Bag is a signal impenetrable shield that stops these hacks in their tracks. Protect one of your most valuable assets. Go to HackProofBag.com. That's HackProofBag.com. And use promo code RADIO to get 20% off. Or call 805-222-4584. 805-222-4584.
2: I asked him the question about the Bloomberg article. Can we take any of that seriously, or is it some reporter just maybe overstepping the bounds of logic and reason?
4: Well, it was reported by Mark Gurman, who tends to have an excellent record with these sorts of things. And he he seems to have some excellent sources inside Apple itself. And uh, Adam Inks and I decided to link to that uh, on tidbits isn't what we call an extra bit, so we believe that it's likely true. You know, at least most of it. it. It confirms a lot of things we've all been suspecting at Apple that they're not taking the Mac as seriously, or they don't have the resources dedicated to it that they once did. You know, this PDF issue we we're just talking about is is an indicator of that. You know, they're not testing the stuff, they're not thinking about it all the way through. You know, things on the software end kind of slowed down. Uh, Hardware revisions are fewer and farther between. You know, one of the things uh, Gurman mentioned in that Bloomberg article is that uh, they're having a hard time getting these designs in front of Johnny Ive. He doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in it. Um, they're also having a problem with competing designs, and so they'll have two totally different. Mac designs, and it won't be until late in the process they decide on one, so resources get further split. So there definitely seems to be some kind of problem near the top with the Mac, or there isn't a definitive vision coming from the top. You know, Apple is less of a benevolent dictatorship (laughs) than it used to be, and so uh, we're seeing odd things like, well, for instance, this new MacBook Pro, which I have one, you know, for the most part like it, but the battery life's kind of meh. And, you know, one of the things we've heard supposedly from the inside is that they had an alternative to um, improve that battery life. I, I think they were going to try to shove more battery in the case, but that got uh, knocked back because they didn't have the resources to de- dedicate to it to get it shipped when they wanted it shipped. So, yeah, for the most part, I, I do believe that report. I think it's generally accurate and it's it's troubling,
2: honestly. What bothers me about it is that Apple makes more money from Macs than from iPads, even though they sell more iPads. It's a $22 billion a year business. And you have to think, what sense does it make to do that? Then they are showing financial commitment. It certainly wasn't cheap to make the new MacBook Pro. The Touch Bar is allegedly the result of a two-year development cycle. I have no idea. But it's really clever to have something sitting within a Mac that's running a subset of WatchOS and using the WatchOS system on a chip, in a sense. I mean, that's pretty smart. Whether it's the best way to do it, I don't know. Obviously, that requires work. It's not something that you give short shrift to. It may be more about, and we're all speculating, we don't know, more about needing an executive handling the Mac division who is able to assert the needs of the platform better.
4: Right. And one of the things I've heard argued is that I couldn't tell you exactly which article this was, but I've heard it argued that Apple's corporate structure needs to be modified because they have sort of a, uh, what do they call it? A functional structure right now. So you don't have like, you don't have one person in charge of the Mac. It's like you got someone in charge of hardware and then you have someone in charge of software, you know, and so on and so forth. And so I've heard some people say, well, they need to mix that up. They need to make it so you have an iOS division and a Mac division. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because there's only so much we know about what's going on inside Apple. We just get these little glimpses and little hints and pieces. Uh, I think one of the bigger problems with Apple, and this is something we've heard for years now, is they're having a hard time recruiting and keeping talent, and, you know, when you have that kind of problem, you're not getting the best people in the industry, then you're going to have uh, issues like this, you know, where you're just uh, – you don't have enough people to work on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac, not to mention Apple Watch, Apple TV, and everything else. You know, a lot of people don't like the the Apple culture. Uh, they don't like the secrecy and all that because, you know, one of the things I've heard – is that a lot of developers, you know, living in the Bay Area? That they, they want to go out with their friends, you know, to a bar or whatever, and they want to brag about what they're doing. And if you're at Facebook, if you're at Twitter, you know, you, you can do that. But if you're at Apple, you, you can't say anything. Everything's a big secret. So it, it, it'll be curious to see, you know, how Apple can can address that because I think they definitely they definitely have some uh, some cracks in their armor. That, uh, that are appearing. And we're seeing that all across the board, both in product and in uh, declining revenues. I mean, I don't think Apple is doomed or anything like that. I don't want to be a doomsayer. But I do think there are some problems to address, and uh, they need to start kind of riding the ship.
2: Well, just as an important point, and whether it makes any difference, who knows, Tim Cook writes this message to Apple's discussion board for employees, asserting, no, these stories aren't true. We are very much committed to the Mac. And he talks about this great desktop roadmap.
9: I can't answer that.
2: (laughs) You see, we have a critic in the house. This is how Uh. our show just falls apart in little bits and pieces of nonsense. Okay, so was Tim Cook just playing the spin game, or is he reasserting the importance of the Mac, or has he come to realize that maybe they're giving it short shrift?
4: I I think he recognizes that a lot of people perceive that Apple is giving it short shrift. I don't think he probably sees it that way, but I think what's probably happening and, and I think it's obvious to just about everyone who follows Apple is that the Mac doesn't capture their attention like everything else does. But but here's part of my problem. So So the narrative right now in the Apple community is that Apple is paying less attention to the Mac, more attention to the iPhone and iPad and Apple Watch and, I guess, Apple TV. But the problem is... We're not seeing a ton of advancements in any of these categories. You know, the iPhone, right now we're on the 7. We have the same design, more or less, as the iPhone 6, which came out two years ago. Now, of course, there are improvements. I'm not going to deny that. But, you know, it hasn't seen the kind of leaps and bounds we're used to seeing from the iPhone. You know, what's going on with the iPad? The iPad hasn't had much uh Iteration. I mean, yeah, okay. We have the iPad Pro. It's big, uh, and then we have the nine point seven inch iPad Pro, uh, which is basically the same design as the iPad Air two, which hasn't been updated in two years. You know the the Apple Watch. I mean, it's not like the water ejection thing is neat, but I mean, it hasn't really seen a ton of advancement either. Uh, the Apple TV uh, felt kind of rushed to market, and it was at, even at that, it was late. Uh, compared to things like, uh, say, the Amazon Fire TV, he was playing catch up. And, and uh, you know, it still lacks things like 4K. I don't want to get into all that right now. But, you know, there's. I mean, it's very it frustrating
2: isn't. if you do get into that because <laughs> that obviously there are considerations here. But what you're saying in short, and we have to split for a break in a moment, you're saying in short, that's not just the Mac where Apple shows problems with its commitment or problems in deciding what to upgrade and how got more to come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
8: Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP Hardened Generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP Hardened Solar Generator Energy Insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today.
6: and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
4: My name is
0: Robin. I'm 47 years of age. I absolutely love One World Way. It was about five years ago when a trainer told me it was the end all of protein powders. One day when I ran out I decided to try other brands. I spent eight months and could not find a replacement. I went through tons of brands, types and flavors and almost all of them tasted unnatural and not pleasant. When it all boiled down, I came right back to One World Way. I buy the cost effective five pound container and my family crave their One World Way too. I look forward to and enjoy having my One World Way and feel great after I drink it. Thank you Synergistic Nutrition for perfecting a protein powder in the product One World Way. From taste to how it makes me and my family feel, you get an A++
12: Call
13: 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com. That's
8: OneWorld, world w h e y.com.
14: For P-150, P-150 GA, P-150
8: NY, P-150 OK, P-150 tnc C-250 A, C-250 E, C-250 Q. Not available in all states. If New York or Colorado, call for a similar offer.
9: What's the scariest thing about going to the dentist? Opening your mouth or opening your wallet? Because just a simple cleaning can cost $100. And things like root canals can cost you hundreds more. If you don't have dental insurance to help, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company. 1-800-656-4686. This isn't a discount plan or preventive-only coverage. This is real dental insurance that helps pay for checkups right away. So you can call today and get your teeth cleaned tomorrow. Plus, it helps cover the more expensive procedures you might need down the road. Fillings, crowns, bridges, even costly dentures. There's no deductible and no annual maximum. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired. There are no networks, so you can choose any dentist you'd like. Call now for a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-656-4686. That's 1-800-656-4686. 1-800-656-4686.
3: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
2: As we progress, we have a special feature of the show. It's the number one uno best way for you to support the show. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com to take advantage of a special commercial free version of the show. And like premium cable channels, if you want that, you got to pay a little bit for it. As little as $1.49 a week. $4.99 a month, that sort of thing. Check it out, plus.technightout.com. I think the big question when you think about upgrading these products, such as the iPad, such as the Mac, and even the iPhone, that they've become good enough that you run out of really cool things that aren't just fluff to upgrade them with. I'm thinking, how do you upgrade the Mac? Do you do what they did with the MacBook Pro, make it slimmer and lighter, and who cares? The touch bar certainly sounds sensible. Really, what do you do to change these things? How many more features can you add to an iPhone other than a wraparound OLED screen or something or wireless recharging? You see what I'm saying?
4: I think the problem is a lack of vision. You know, I had this thought the other day. So it's 2017 right now. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. So think between, say, 1991 in 1997, think how much tech advanced uh, between '91 and '97. It was, you know, exponential. the web you know desktop computers got so much faster and you know all this you know modems got so much faster so much stuff happened between 91 and 97 and think back between 2001 and 2007 oh man huge change again 2001 you're using these big desktop computers or crts all that smartphones were you know very clunky you know for you know how many uh you know, for how many people even own them, you know, 2007, you had the iPhone, you had you know, all these enormous advances between 2001, and 2007. Now think back to 2011. It's 2017 now. How, I mean, I'm not talking about just Apple. I'm talking about the general tech industry, you know, I mean, all the way from, you know, phones to video games. How much has advanced? You know, you just said, you know, you're using a, a computer from about that time, you know, and it's, it's more or less, Up to date, you know, we have some higher resolution screens. There have been advancements, but we haven't seen the leaps and bounds that we saw in the past two decades. And you know, I got to think about more. I'm like, well, why is that? Well, who died in 2011? (laughs) You know, it just seems that once Steve Jobs died, the the entire vision for the tech industry sort of collapsed. And you think back to the start of the personal computing era, you know, and you think about every major turn that happened. You know, that's happened in the past 40 years of this. You know, Apple, I think, what, turned 40 uh, just a few days ago. So with Steve Jobs at the dawn of the personal computer, you know, uh, when smartphones became popular, tablets, you know, look at all the advancements that came out of the Next platform, uh, even though the Next itself was a failure. You know, the, the World Wide Web is developed on Next. And it just seems like... Once, once Steve passed away, everyone's kind of in the woods. And I'm not singling Apple out here. I, I'm saying this is the entire tech industry. You know, not much has changed since 2011 when you really think about it.
2: But, you know, it may also be the fact that over the first 20 years or so, getting from the late 80s going through the 90s and 2000s, there was a lot of room to expand because the products weren't good enough yet. They needed lots of changes before they would be ready. Just like, for example, if you take your 2010 MacBook Pro as I have, once I put the SSD in there, it's obviously benchmarks much slower than a MacBook Pro today, but not much slower than a MacBook Air. In other words, it's good enough. It's good enough then, other than not having a retina display. But if you can live without a retina display, live with a normal resolution that you live with for many, many years, it's good enough. The advancements in Intel's chips have been more about smaller die sizes, about power efficiency, not so much about horsepower. From year to year, the difference, if you look at the benchmarks of new Max versus the previous version, it's just a few percent. That's it. Now, that wasn't something that Steve Jobs did.
4: Right, right. Well, I, I'm not trying to give you know him credit for every tech advancement that's happened in the past 40 years. I'm just saying in terms of overall arcing, you know, the total arc of history, of tech history. He, he hit a lot of the high points there. And we seem to just kind of be in the weeds ever since. You know, well, and, you know, you come back to, well, have we just got a low-hanging fruit? You know, are things just, uh, you know, you can't improve them much more. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, you know, maybe there just isn't a the vision there. You know, if you go back to, say, 2005, 2006 – actually, I remember, I remember there's a lot of people arguing then, well, there's not a whole lot more to improve at this point, you know, and then the iPhone comes out. And even when the iPhone came out, I know, because I was one of the people that thought this, you know, I, you know, who needs that? Why would you, why would you need such a thing as the iPhone? You know, what a silly invention. And of course, we saw where that uh, ended up at.
2: Right. Um, but you remember also, a lot of things happened between 2001 and 2007, but in terms of a trend setting product, really it's six years after the iPod. Obviously, in the Mac arena, different things happen. In 2001, they came out with Mac OS 10 the first public release, the public beta was the previous year. Apple went to Intel processors, which gave them a big jump in performance. So a lot seemed to happen. But even if you look at the Mac development, you look at the first MacBooks and MacBook Pros. Other than getting slimmer and lighter and getting Retina Displays, even while Steve Jobs was here, how different were they? The Retina Displays came after he left us. So as I said, it's not just, well, Apple doesn't have Steve Jobs to come up with stuff anymore. It is the entire tech industry. And as I said, I think computers are getting good enough. They weren't good enough then. They're good enough now so that the flaws, I think, are more revealing. I did a piece at technightowl.com where I said, you know, the Finder still has problems with memorizing its size and position after all these years. Why is that? And that's not something that depends on Intel. But again, it may take another revolution to change the problem with smartphones, tablets, and personal computers which is to find a way to really really move these platforms forward beyond where they are now otherwise it's just a little bit of the same thing a little bit better don't you think
4: yeah i mean i mean well that's that's kind of the problem right you know things are kind of good enough you know if you have a phone for you know i I I have some friends who still carry iphone uh five s's or iphones five s and uh You know, that's good enough for them. You know, I know a lot of people who have, you know, computers are five or six years old. And, uh, you know, at some point that, you know, it kind of slows everything down. And also just just kind of my own selfish thing here, you know, just as a tech journalist, it gets a little boring. You know, uh, it just gets a little boring after a while. It's like, okay, there's nothing new under the sun. It's kind of becomes very samey after a while.
2: Well, I think that definitely makes sense that you need something new. It's boring. But also I think people have less of an incentive to buy something new because their life isn't centered on I need the next gadget. It may be because you're an editor of a tech publication. I'm doing a tech blog and a tech radio show. So we care about the next great thing. But the average person, all right, my computer works. Let me get on with my other stuff. I got other stuff to do. This is not important to me. You know, it's like even, as you say, with smartphones. It's reached a point where the incentive to buy a new one every two years maybe isn't there as much. My wife has a three-year-old iPhone 5C. I think it's dreadfully slow with iOS 10. It's the oldest supported platform for that product. But she likes it fine. No, it's not too slow for me. It's fine. I'll keep it going. Next year, iOS 11 will probably not work on an iPhone 5C. But there are a lot of people who really don't care about that stuff. They have other priorities. And maybe that's part of it right there, that we're looking and living in a bubble. More to come. Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN.
1: This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480.
3: Know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
2: We progress here with Josh Centers. I just said something, it's probably similar to what we've already been talking about. Most people don't care about what you and I care about. We're living in this bubble. What do you think?
4: I think there there's less interest in tech than there was a few years ago. Just to give an example, you know, our our site traffic's fine. Uh, You know, we have uh, you know great base of members at Tidbits. You know, so I mean, we're not having any problems. But something we've noticed uh, recently is we don't get nearly as many clicks. From stuff that we used to, and I don't want to name any specific site here, but you know, it used to be if we wrote an article that got, you know, on, on all the big Apple blogs, you just get thousands upon thousands of of clicks and hits and page views. Nowadays, I mean, even if you do basically the full gamut of you know all the major Apple blogs, you get I don't know, you might get a few thousand at most. It used to be you would get several thousand just from one. And now you just get a few hundred from each one, and for a while I thought it was um, it was because of ad blockers. I thought, okay, and people are using uh, ad block content blockers more, and so they're not getting the uh, uh, the referrals. You know, the referrals aren't coming to like they used to. But just the overall clicks from external sources are just down, uh, and they seem to be going down all the time. So I'm just wondering if maybe there's just less interest than there was a few years ago. You know, maybe that comes down to, uh, you know, I hate to loop the jobs thing back in, but I mean, you know, he kind of was a personality people like to watch. And so maybe without that, maybe it's not as interesting. I don't know, but it, it does seem like the general public is less interested than they were just a few years ago. We can ask app developers about this, you know, app developers, you know, back in 2008, 2009 or so, you know, it was like a gold mine. And now, um, even the better established app developers are saying they're having a hard, harder time making do with their business. There, there does kind of seem to be a depressed interest. And you know whether that's from a lack of interesting products or perhaps the economy, the world economy in general is tightening and so people don't have the money to splurge in this stuff, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but there does seem to be a less overall interest from the general public than there was a few years ago.
2: It's reaching a saturation point, I think, in ownership. It's kind of what happened a while back with TV sets. We reached a point after the HD revolution, everybody got the cheaper and cheaper flat panels and they didn't need any more. And the TV set makers were desperate. This year, they're pushing 4K. Every set except the real cheapest one was 4K. Except to most people, 4K makes no difference visible difference because they need a really big screen or they have to look really close. Otherwise, they don't see a difference. Is like the retina display. After a certain resolution, it doesn't matter anymore. Of course, with smartphone makers, they have higher and higher resolutions and they add exaggerated sharpness to make it seem like it's a better thing. But all that does, of course, is make it more difficult for the graphics chips to handle all that demand and you get staggered lagging interfaces. That's how it goes. In any case here, this may be the era with all these other gadgets. It's good enough. I'm not sure that 4K is really jump-starting the TV industry or not. Because as I said, to most people, it's just the set. And they don't care and they don't see a difference. So it may well be here, as I said, that if you're not seeing a lot of a difference between each year's PC It's a commodity product. The smartphone's a commodity product. The the tablet is. The smartwatch isn't yet. Therefore, we don't see the magic. If they come up with more magic, some new development in all this hardware, maybe people will be interested. But that may be another reason for the disinterest, not just the economy and the crazy politics around the world. It's what creates a buzz, there are no more buzzes. Even the touch bar is not a buzz.
4: No, not much of one. I think, honestly, probably the, the most buzzworthy product Apple has released lately are the uh, AirPods. But even that's a niche product.
2: I don't like headphones like that at all. I don't like headphones in general. I'm a radio broadcaster, and you think, wow, this guy must live with headphones. Oh, I mean, the days I worked in traditional terrestrial broadcasting... I worked at a radio station. I went to the station. I worked in a studio. I had an engineer or did the engineering myself. And then I'd have to wear the headphones over the ear because I'd have to hear somebody. But even then in the radio stations, they have a studio monitor speaker. When you turn on your mic, it cuts the speaker so there's no feedback. And the only time you have to worry about anything is when you're playing something simultaneously and you have to hear it. Otherwise, I don't need the headphones. I'm not a headphone person, so AirPods mean nothing to me. But as you said, maybe it's a buzzworthy product for what a hundred thousand people.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know for me, they definitely solve a real problem. Of course, now then again, I don't. I have kind of an odd problem. You know, throughout the day, I'll switch between listening to stuff on my iPhone, my Mac, my iPad, etc. And so the AirPods make it really easy to do that without fumbling with wires. And so for me, it solves a real problem. But for, you know, the average person who just wants to listen to stuff when they're working out, I'm not sure if it solves a, a big problem or not. I'm not sure how many people, maybe it's just 100,000, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how many people want to spend 160 bucks for uh, wireless earbuds.
2: Fancy ones, I guess. Yeah. I guess they sound decent. What do you think? Because I'm seeing a contradictory conclusion about that. Some reviews I've read said it sounds pretty good. Our friend Kirk McElhern doesn't like him at all. Yeah, I you
4: know, I'm not what you'd call an audiophile, but you know, I've I've listened to some pretty good headphones my day and I like him pretty well. I mean, you know, given the limitations, you know, I'll say this, if you if you liked the ear pods, if you liked the sound and the the way they fit in your ears, You'll love the AirPods because the AirPods, uh, I think, sound actually just actually do sound a little bit better. They are more comfortable because you don't know, have those wires uh, pulling them from your ears, which makes a bit way bigger difference than you might imagine. So I like them a lot, and I I think they're they're pretty well designed little pieces of of hardware. It's one of the most inspired designs Apple's released in a while, and uh, you know I, now the one place where they kind of fall down is what, if you activate the microphone for, uh, you know, phone calls or voice recording or something like that, the, the sound quality plummets like this, like the output sound quality just plummets. I guess it reduces it to make band, make room bandwidth wise for your voice. Um, so that's, that's one big, uh, quirk with them. And, uh, Julio a Zapata, who reviewed the AirPods for us at Tidbits, and I, we did some uh, voice over IP test calls, and we just had a lot of failures, just a lot of failures. Uh, Slack, uh, we tried to do uh, voice calls in Slack, and it just Slack just crashed. It just couldn't deal with it at all. Uh, FaceTime didn't really work very well. Uh, we didn't try Skype, but I did try to use the AirPods on another show, uh with Skype and uh it just didn't work at all. Just didn't work. So that's uh that's really the AirPod Achilles heel is uh in the uh you know in the uh, the communication department. But for listening, you know, I mostly listen to say podcasts and uh, YouTube videos with a little music mixed in there and most of that's been fine and uh you know more than satisfactory. Uh, and what, you know, one of the things I, I do like about the AirPods, it's mostly the convenience factor. The, uh, the charging case, uh, key, I went like a whole week without plugging the case into anything and the AirPods are still charged fine. The case was still charged fine. Uh, really long standby time. Uh, I like how easily you can, uh, switch them between devices, uh, other than the Apple TV the, for some reason they got left out. Um, I like I, probably my favorite thing is how you can pull one out of your ear and it will pause wherever you're listening to. If you're on a Mac and you're watching a YouTube video in Safari, it will pause the YouTube video. So it's great when you know if someone comes in my office or I get a message from somebody, I just want to pause it for a second. I just pull an earpod out and it pauses. So for the most part, I'm really happy with them. Um, you know I will caution anyone who's planning to. Uh, phone calls seem to work fine. But any kind of voice over IP, like uh, FaceTime, Slack, Skype, whatever, it seems to really uh you know, just kind of uh, crap the bed there. And if you if you're thinking about trying to do any podcasting with them or any kind or just like just doing voice recordings and stuff, uh you're probably not gonna be very happy there either, because the the quality degrades and uh weird just quirks happen.
2: You know, that may explain why Kirk is feeling the sound quality is poor. We've got more to come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
9: As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: So the AirPods, when we put more load on them with voice the audio quality declines, is that a limitation of Bluetooth at all? Or are there other Bluetooth headphones perfectly Mm -hmm. capable of handling voice and music without a problem?
4: I've never been a big Bluetooth guy, but at least in the audio department, but I haven't generally noticed it. And maybe it's more pronounced with the AirPods because they, they tend to sound a lot better. Now, I've never really had any, you know, Great, you know, Bluetooth headphones. They've always been a little too expensive for me, but I've I've never quite noticed this this uh, downgrade in quality before. But I I do suspect it probably is a Bluetooth uh, limitation. This is something I'd love to get verification from Apple on this, but you know, it's it's not something that just happens at random. It's something that when you engage the microphone, there's an easy way to test this. If you have AirPods, if you go. Uh, you connect them to your Mac, go to System Preferences, Sound, and then start playing something in iTunes. And then go to the uh, Input tab in that pref pane and switch your microphone to the AirPods. You'll notice just instantly, you know, way worse sound quality, and uh, iTunes might screw up. There seems to be a lot of bugs attached to this. Like when when the AirPods downgrade their output quality. Weird stuff tends to happen. Apps crash or they freeze up, or or other. You get some awful noises sometimes. Like that happens with Slack, um, like a jackhammer kind of sound. So there's definitely some quirks on the Apple software side of things. But you know, I think a lot of this is the Bluetooth limitation. And I'd be curious to know if Apple will keep sticking with Bluetooth for wireless audio, or if they're going to develop some their own proprietary thing at some point because i i can't see apple being too pleased with this because you know the whole idea with the airpods is to be kind of like uh that movie her you know where you just have uh you know a a dingus in your ear all the time and use that for all your communication and and that's currently not possible with the airpods due to these limitations so yeah i you know i'm curious about that
2: well you know there's a bluetooth five that's out what do we know about it or at least it's coming out anyway
4: I haven't really looked into it too much. Uh, I, I do believe it's supposed to, uh, you know, further reduce power consumption, which uh, you know might be a good thing. Otherwise, I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, presumably, we'd hope it'd lead to better uh, audio quality, uh, etc. But it seems like most of these Bluetooth revisions are usually about power consumption.
2: Well, it could be. I don't know, but to me, like I said, it's not a factor. I'm not a big Earphone or headphone user, I would think that the time is going to come when Apple will feel comfortable offering Bluetooth headset for the iPhone. Because right now it's kind of like a clumsy workaround. Offer the earbuds and the adapter.
4: Right. I mean, ideally they'd include the AirPods in the box, right? And I sell them for one hundred and sixty dollars. Or 159, I guess, technically speaking. But uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on if they can get the margins down, uh, you know, the, the cost of production down far enough to to make it workable within their admittedly pretty hefty margins. Um, I can't see that happening anytime soon, though. That's I could be wrong, though. I mean, maybe they'll just pull off in a few years, but I don't see that happening in the next year or two.
2: Well, I definitely think it's going to happen. Definitely think it's going to happen. All right. Let's move to one other product here as we go on. And that is the MacBook Pro. Which one do you have?
4: I have the 13-inch with the touch bar, and I uh, got the 16 gigabytes of
2: RAM in it. Okay, so that's kind of maxed out. What kind of hard drive?
4: Oh, it's just uh, the standard two hundred fifty-six gigabyte uh, SSD. Because I, I don't store a whole lot on it. It's you know, it's mostly cloud stuff. You know, I sync over from Dropbox and uh, our Subversion server and stuff like that. It's, you know, uh, iCloud uh, and iCloud uh, music library, that sort of stuff. You know, so I, I didn't really need a whole lot of storage in it.
2: Okay, my son has one hundred twenty-eight gigabytes on his 13 inch macbook air and what he does because he has a lot of other stuff he has 200 gigabytes storage from iCloud so he has an Mm -hmm. iCloud drive and that's where he stuffs the rest of it so it's easier to pay ten dollars a month and to buy a more expensive computer to him
4: Right well that's why we're that's part of the reason we're seeing Apple's uh, services category grow so much every quarter
2: okay moving into that though obviously there have been complaints about battery life mm-hmm. with the new MacBook Pro what are you getting anything like Apple says you'll get no
4: I'd say I'd average between six and eight hours which you know, Apple promises ten right and and apple's kind of used to be notorious for, you know, if they said 10 hours, you would probably get 12 hours with a fresh MacBook. Of course that that's going to decrease over time as the battery wears out. But yeah, I I'm seeing, you know, pretty consistently between 6 and 8 hours.
2: Okay. Okay. So you're getting a little bit less than you might have expected otherwise. Mhm. And you've got all the system updates applied. Now, here's an interesting thing I picked up the other day. Joe Wilcox of Beta News had a 13 inch and he was getting miserable battery life and then he reinstalled the OS and then he said things are pretty good it lasts huh. a full day and he had no problems whatever with a 15 inch that he has now we're going to talk to Joe in our next interview so I'm more interested in what he has to say about it we'll deal with it in, in more detail of course but that might be an example I however wonder about the consumer reports review where they test it three times and each time the battery life is completely different
4: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know down yeah, to bet- like three and a half hours but the high battery life is more than apple estimates that doesn't make sense to me i think you get fairly consistent numbers unless there's something screwy about their tests because it happens on all the ones they used
4: yeah, and, and some of their tests, they were getting up to sixteen hours, which I found highly suspect. But apparently, uh, Ars Technica got similar results in some of their tests. Um, so I, I just think that's a really screwy test because I because I, I, I can't see getting sixteen hours out of a la- especially like these new MacBook Pros unless you're just turning a lot of stuff off, unless you're just you're not you're not using it like a normal person. You're you're Putting the screen down to almost nothing, and you're shutting down all your background apps, and uh, you know just locking the thing down as much as possible. I don't think that's uh, that's an organic test. Um, I'm also a little, and I like consumer reports, and and, and I, you know I'll buy a month or two uh, of a subscription from them. You know while I'm shopping for certain things, but when it comes to Apple, uh, it seems like I don't know. Since 2010, whenever the big bruhaha over the iPhone 4 was, it seems like that they've kind of had a beef with Apple, and and they seem to give them, uh, you know, harsher than the normal reviews usually, and they, they seem to really like, uh, you know, just kind of dragging Apple through the mud if they get a chance to. So, I find their the reviews of Apple products a little suspect. Um, that being said, I don't think the battery life in this MacBook Pro. Uh, is satisfactory. I mean, it, it does the job for what I need it to do, um, but I think if Apple, you, you know, and one of the reasons people love Apple so much is, you know, if they say 10 hours, you'll get 10 hours, maybe 11 hours. Um, but, you know, I, I and a lot of other people are seeing a pretty consistent six, maybe eight-hour battery life, and uh, I don't I don't think that's sufficient. I mean, you know, if they promise that, that's fine, but it would be That would still be a step back from what they had before with the last generation, which was, you know, a pretty consistent 10 hours out of the box. So um, I do find the Consumer Reports Review a little suspect. But uh, that being said, uh, I I agree with them that the, the battery life isn't what it should be. And that's on Apple.
2: No, I understand that. I understand that. And that is an area of concern. We'll have to look into it further. come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over 1.5 million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene.
0: Message and data rates may apply.
2: Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the big hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a big hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics. Nugenics is a
6: unique man-boosting formula powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 42424. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 42424. Nogenic samples are not available in stores. So again, text PRIME11 to 42424.
17: Good day, America. Are you tired of your butt cheeks being frozen? Tired of cold hands or cold feet? I'm tired of the cold. Well, there's a new kid on the block. It's Fortress Clothing. Fortress will keep you warm. Fortress does what no other clothing company has ever done. We keep you warm in the cold, even when wet. You heard that right, even when wet. No BS, no gimmicks, work, play, sweat in the cold, and stay warm. So quit your complaining and go to FortressClothing.com. FortressClothing.com, enter coupon code AMERICA and get 20% off any item. Mittens, jackets, pants, balaclavas or hot socks. FortressClothing.com, enter coupon code AMERICA. You're gonna love being warm all winter long. FortressClothing.com.
0: Had it been the sweet Paris air permeating the night? The intoxicating way her beauty had overtaken him. Whatever the case back then, Jordan Dunleavy is still in love with the memory of Lauren, the woman he'd lost so many years before. In Bookstore on the Sen, the journey of a conspiracy analyst, author C. L. Hendman ties conspiracy theories, mystery, irony, and romance into the stimulating novel that masterfully interweaves the past with the present. Available on Amazon and Kindle, and at bookstoreonthesine.com. That's S E I N E ecom com.
8: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at Tech Night Owl.com. That's news at Tech Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at Tech slash radio. That's Tech Night Owl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
2: Now, clearly, Apple was stung by the decision of Consumer Reports not to recommend these MacBook Pros. Phil Schiller tweets. Everybody tweets nowadays. The president of the United States on down, I guess. Everybody tweets. He tweets that they're working with Consumer Reports to figure out what went wrong. Because evidently, what they do is they download 10 websites in Safari from their server. And I guess they time it, or they, or they have it repeat itself with... An Apple script? I don't know. But I guess it has to be automated and they keep doing this until the battery runs dry. So that sounds kind of peculiar. I would think that you should at least restart between each session. I don't know if they're doing that. But they also point out that it seems to work okay in Chrome. So maybe Safari is interacting with one or more of the sites they chose.
4: Could be, you know. I've I've heard some people say I, I, I haven't really tested this myself. I've heard some people say that Chrome recently has been better for battery life than Safari. I, I find that a little odd because Safari usually just blows Chrome away in terms of power usage. So, uh, you know, I'm not cr- I'm not quite sure what the deal is there. You know, I will say as someone who's who's tested this stuff or at least tried to test this stuff. I will say, battery life tests are kind of a pain because you're trying to come up with something that's both similar to what a user would actually do, and you're also trying to complete you're also trying to come up with something that's uh, you know scientific you know somewhat scientific and repeatable, and that can be kind of hard to do. Um, but that being said, you know I, I think if you have that much fluctuation in your in your battery life readings, I think there's something probably. Wrong with your test. Of course, you know. Another thing is too. Um, you know, and I'm not singling Apple out here because everyone does this. But you know, there there are certain power saving features, you know, in the operating system that could lead to uh, odd results like that as well. Um, and you know, it, it's hard to say. I haven't re- I haven't read their full analysis of it. You know, it's, and maybe they tested this against. Uh, an older model with the same uh, software version, and, and you know, they're just seeing oddities in the, in the new model. Um, you know, another factor could be also the uh, the touch bar because um, you know it uses more and less power at certain points. So, it, you know, it could be uh, maybe the screen's waking up or brightening up and then dimming back down, and maybe that's causing some fluctuation. I'm not sure, but I, I will just say in general. You know, I, I, I like this laptop. I, I think Apple did a really great job for the most part. The two things, of course, being battery life and also these uh, Thunderbolt 3 ports are super buggy. We've had a lot of problems in those in our tests.
2: Well, that's technology that maybe needs some more updates. By the way, let me give everybody an update on that 17-inch MacBook Pro from 2010. As I told you, I couldn't install Mac OS Sierra from it directly, downloading the installer from Apple. I used the recovery disk mode. Check the drive. It was fine. And then I had it install Sierra and it's completed the installation perfectly satisfactory. So it's one of those go figure things. But therefore, it gives the computer a new lease on life. I'll keep it till it drops. Right now, it's getting on to seven years old. I got it in the spring of 2010, which is, I guess, when they came out. It's quite fast enough. This is, again, the the story about the iteration of performance on Intel hardware. It's fine. I asked my son if he perceives it being different than his 2015 MacBook Air. He said, no, not really. Because the MacBook Air, of course, also doesn't have a retina display. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see what we're going to see here, folks. I suppose Mac OS Sierra's successor may not support that old hardware anymore. Who knows?
4: It will only support ARM processors.
2: I don't think Apple's going to switch. I don't think it makes any sense for them from an economic standpoint or from the advantages that Intel offers. Because number one, you could run Windows on a Mac with really good performance. I think it's a very big selling point. I came there with the Intel-based Macs, and look how sales went up. That's one issue. Also, because it's a compatible processor, it makes it easier for developers to go between the platforms. I think that's better. And you have to think of the downside. So if Apple goes to ARM, other than having it used for support tasks like the touch bar, which may come to an increasing extent, the problem with it is you have to have developers rebuild their apps for ARM. They may have practice in this because they're doing it for iOS already. Maybe they think that would be easy. Then you have to have an emulation feature of some sort. Or do you sell Macs with twin processors? I mean, look at this, for example. We have the touch bar, which means Apple's throwing two processors in that machine. How much more would it cost them to stick an A11 or the successor an A12? Where it's a twin processor machine, for a few years, what happens until developers move their products over, it will run natively on Intel, natively on ARM. And eventually, Intel goes away. It's going to be, instead of having an emulator... Like a Rosetta, you have the processor. What do you think? Expensive?
4: Well, the new MacBook Pro has an ARM chip in it because it has an ARM chip to control exactly. the touch bar.
2: Right. So that's the point, and it's got an OLED display and everything. So, how much more would it cost Apple to stick a more powerful ARM chip in there? I don't know. Who
4: knows? Who knows? I, I do think. So you already have a MacBook Pro that. You know, has the ARM chip in it. You know, I, I think that's kind of where Apple wants to go. Uh, you know, they want to be able to control the whole stack. I think this is also, while we're seeing, you know, they're not so enthusiastic about uh, the Mac at the moment, or at least don't seem to be, because I, I think that's part of it. They they want to move to ARM. They're not quite there yet. You know, I mean, they've been touting for a couple of years that these uh, A series processors have desktop quality uh, CPUs in them, but you know, not quite yet. So. You know, I, I do think, you know, for in terms of control, battery life, uh, other factors, I, I think that's what they would really like to do and just go off Intel entirely. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of advantages of being on Intel. You know, you're on the de facto industry standard. Uh, you can run Windows. You have all the extra power that ARM just isn't going to have. And I think it's part of the reason why these pro machines uh, haven't been as powerful as they probably could be because I, I think Apple's trying to get people kind of used to maybe – a a slower chipset, at least temporarily until they can get arm where it's outpacing intel which it eventually will it's on a track to do that so i don't know that's my that's my own little conspiracy theory i'm throwing out there
2: well i don't know certainly it's an interesting development sticking two processors in a mac and if they're trying to bring more of the code base together that would be interesting but the way apple's got this i think it would be Very, very trivial for them to do it because they already are doing it in their test labs. Josh Centers, please tell our listeners where we can find more of what you do.
4: You can see my articles on tidbits.com. You can buy my books at takecontrolbooks.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at jcenters,
2: J-C-E-N-T-E-R-S. Josh Centers, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene.
10: listening to GCN visit GCNlive.com today
1: this is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 800 290-8480. That's one 290 Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about
18: GCNTelecare.com. A team of board certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
6: Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change?
16: If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries, from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada.
3: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
2: We're joined by independent journalist Joe Wilcox again, and he was on the show several weeks ago, and at the time... He was giving us his initial experience as the new owner of a 13-inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I got that right, Joe, right?
12: That's correct.
2: Unfortunately, the battery was uncooperative. Tell us more.
12: Well, first of all, I started having problems before it became like a, a thing, you know, where you started seeing it all over the forums. Uh, almost immediately after you know buying it, uh, I saw that the, my battery life was coming in more like four to five hours rather than eight to 10. And I made several trips to the Apple store thinking that I should uh, maybe return this lemon that I've been shipped a lemon by Apple again, before any of the controversy started. And I had my 14 day uh, buyer's remorse period to, to deal with. And then I started to, to, to look at my options at the time. We're talking uh, late November uh, when uh, the, uh, the note, the notebook was hard to find. I wasn't going to be able to replace it. I just have to, 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 uh, return it and wouldn't have a laptop at all. And so I looked at going to the 15-incher. And after much debate and finding that one of the local Apple stores, quite a drive away, uh, had one. I went down, looked it over, decided to buy it. No real problems with the battery life on that one at first. And we'll get to what happened later on. And then I uh, set up the 13-inch MacBook uh, Pro with for my wife, just temporarily thinking that she would just use it for a while We'd, we'd find out how it worked out. Battery life was fine. No problems at all. Suddenly we went from that four to five hours to the eight to 10, as you would expect. Quite the head scratcher.
2: Okay. so All you did was give it to your wife.
12: And we uh, did a, uh, a switch around. You know, I, I wiped the hard drive, started over, uh, did the uh, migration assistant from her old MacBook Pro to the, to the new one with a touch bar. And that's it. So um, somehow in the process of you know, going through all of that, uh, doing a reinstall, and then also uh, doing uh, the, the uh, migration system, the battery uh, went to normal. So I'm not sure if there was something wrong with the, the disk image that was put on there, if there's something different about her configuration versus mine, something in the software uh, that matters. But it was a dramatic difference between the two uh, the, the two installations.
2: It wasn't the fact that the MacBook Pro liked her better.
12: Uh, you know, it could be. It could very well be. So, <laughs> th- so the only
2: thing you did here was just restore the computer. Right. But and everything is right. essentially the same. The restore is the same stuff that you had on there before.
12: No, no. I mean, w- w- you know, it's her setup. So it's not the same stuff. She uses different software than I do. So... That's my point. I have a different build. I mean, we have you see, have, so have two things that happen. One, we had a we had a clean install of uh, of uh, macOS Sierra. Uh, there might have been something in that process that triggered a difference. Let's say there was a bad factory image, for example. But also, she has a different software load. She's not using the same things that I do, and so maybe something that I have in my configuration is, uh, was, uh, pulling out the battery, but not in hers. Hard to say.
2: Okay. That's downright weird. So she's getting eight hours. You're getting four, roughly speaking. All right. So now you get the 15 inch and it starts out. The battery life is okay, but there's a but there.
12: And the but is that sometimes it's not, it depends on what I'm running. So for example, I've been having a lot of trouble with iTunes it is slow often and uh, when the battery is draining quick and I check inactivity uh, activity monitor looking at the energy, there's huge consumption for iTunes. So if iTunes is running, uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time it will suck the battery down by half. So we go from the eight to 10 hours I would expect on the new MacBook Pro, the 15.4 uh, inch to again around four to five hours, one app. Regardless, I'm having a lot of trouble with iTunes, and I just don't understand. I've been di- trying to do some troubleshooting, troubleshooting, figure it out, um, and I'm I'm just baffled. It loads slow. Uh, if I go to the store, it's, I mean, it's like molasses. It's like I'm it's like I'm running on a on a 56k uh, you know modem connection or something. I mean, things just don't happen, but it's also but it's clearly with the app. I mean it you, know, you try to, to to resize the window and it's slow moving it just doesn't doesn't want to happen so it's it's not the internet, it's definitely the app and and again it, it drains the sometimes it'll drain the battery really fast. so there may be something else uh, that does that too.
2: Now, just to give you a contrast that doesn't make any sense to any of us here. Okay. I have iTunes with a somewhat small music library. As we right. were talking, I launched the app, which was almost instantaneous. This is on a iMac, recent vintage. I then went to the store. And I don't have the fastest internet connection in the world. We have a free internet service provided at this housing complex. Of all the things they provide, they give us free cable TV up to a point. You have to pay extra for some of the frills. And they give us free internet. So the free internet, no problem. Everything works fine. I haven't had any problems with iTunes. Not that I use it that much, but I haven't had any big problems with iTunes at all. So I don't know what to tell you.
12: Well, let me say this. Uh, When I was running iTunes on my old MacBook Pro, which is a 3.1 gigahertz uh, core i7, so it's a 2015 uh, model, iTunes worked fine. No problem. was never slow.
2: Okay, so something weird is going on here, obviously.
12: Well, I keep the, the only thing that's different. The only thing that's different is the touch bar.
2: Okay, so the key is here is the touch bar. Grabbing memory. Now, that's an interesting thing. Now, just to put this in perspective, as our listeners know, Consumer Reports magazine did a test of the various editions of the MacBook Pro, I assume standard configurations, and their results were even crazier. At least in your case, it's traced to some problem with a single app or something. In their case, they did three tests with three different results ranging from a low of like three, four hours to a high of considerably more than what Apple states as its spec. Three totally different readings as a result of which they gave it a thumbs down, mostly, a very low rating. On the other hand, they used Safari for this test. If they used Chrome, they had no problem, whatever. I mean, this is weird.
12: So let's talk about that because uh, I definitely observed on the 13-inch and not on the the 15-inch that uh, Safari seemed to really suck down the battery. Whenever I was having those four to five hour sessions, that's when I was just basically only only had a Safari open, bunch of tabs, but uh, um, you know doing doing you know WordPress and different uh, websites, research, news, whatever, and uh, and I was surprised at how uh, quickly uh, the battery burned down just with Safari and nothing else uh, open. Now there may be some services running in the background if you have. Uh, Ah, uh, one of those Adobe subscriptions, which I do for Lightroom, then you have, you always have some kind of services in the background that are doing something that you wish they wouldn't um, but uh, but it's interesting because I definitely wondered about Safari more so on the smaller one than uh than the larger one.
2: We'll continue to explore why Joe Wilcox is getting inconsistent and not satisfactory battery life with his. MacBook Pro, but Mrs. Wilcox works like a champ. So, just to let you know here, I have a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro. I still get close to three hours battery life, and the battery is pretty well shot. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Ally.
11: For years, you've looked for safe solutions to protect what you've worked so hard to build. How do you weather the next market correction with confidence? Now there's a way to conquer the technology hurdle and help protect your profits without buying an annuity in any market condition. Introducing WealthGuard from OnTheMarkMoney.com. WealthGuard lets you know in advance if your accounts are dropping, an early warning system that tracks all your accounts. Get WealthGuard today, 100% free. Go to OnTheMarkMoney.com. That's OnTheMarkMoney.com.
3: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
2: So, we're trying to ferret out the mystery of the ages why the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar does not like Joe Wilcox. It's a personal prejudice. Or, or, He's a nice guy. I don't know why it would feel that way. Just to let you know as we're talking, I have Safari open on my iMac, Mac OS Sierra. It's using, I don't know, gigabyte RAM, okay? That's about what it does. You know, it never consumes too much CPU. Safari is taking what? It's way down there. Now, love. CPU time. Actually, the Windows Server and the Crash Plan service for my backup—it's sucking resources dry. But that's about it. That's where I have a problem. You don't have an online backup, do you, Joe? Uh,
12: no, I don't. But let's talk about uh, this whole iTunes thing. So I'm looking at the uh, the uh, the larger MacBook Pro and uh, Activity Open uh, Activity Monitor, looking at energy iTunes has been open in uh, all this time. Uh, What do we got here? Now, it's not being used. It's just open. Uh, 86.5 is what I see. For uh, Skype, which we are using uh, uh, together right now, 11.1. Safari, 2.5. I'm not not sure uh, if if that's the uh, percent or... Uh, I guess maybe that's the the percent of the energy used, right? If I understand uh, what this means.
2: Well, activity monitor: the first is CPU, the second is memory, third is energy,
12: and, right, I and think, that's where I'm quoting from.
2: Right, and it doesn't make a difference to me. I'm using an iMac, so it doesn't matter. But he's got to look at the things that's sucking the battery dry, and obviously uh, something that's using you know fifty, seventy five, eighty percent. That's going to do it for you.
12: But it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's iTunes. Let me open iTunes and see what's going on.
2: I just launched iTunes. It's using nothing. Oh, there it is now. It went to 55% energy impact. Now, obviously, you can't necessarily relate that. I guess you can. It's still drawing current from the wall outlet. It went back down to 0.2% after inflating for a couple of seconds, okay, and telling me they have a sale on Beatles albums audio hijack which is used to capture the audio for this radio show from Skype is using 10.9%. And I can see that because we're talking about something that's, you know, pulling audio and processing it and everything else. In terms of memory, Safari is still staying around a gigabyte. Kernel task is 2.20 gigabytes and then there's mail web content have to look at mail and see what's going on. Crash plan service is taking up the CPU and dominating it. So, we'll have to work on that. All right. So, I can't tell you anything about your situation with iTunes. I'm assuming it's the latest version and everything. But you it don't is, have yes. an open video or something in the background that's just not playing.
12: No. Nothing. Hmm. So, um uh, I mean, it, we, it is connected to um, Apple Music, and you have to wonder about that.
2: Oh, it is something weird. I'll agree with you there. Definitely something weird. So I don't know what to tell is- you. Now, the thing with Consumer Reports, they were using sites downloaded through Safari from their local server. And right. I guess this operation is repeated over and over again. I do not know if they use an Apple script, because basically, this is the Mac equivalent of a test they run for Windows computers. Uh-huh. They use the default browser. So Windows 10, they're going to use Windows Edge. On the Mac, they'll use Safari. So go figure. There may be some kind of interaction with Safari that affects it. But it may be for some reason, the touch bar, whatever, you, who knows, there is an interaction or a problem with the MacBook Pro that is impacting some users
12: with specific app combinations. So let's talk about that. I'm looking at mine here. Um, The average energy impact for iTunes is 34.93%. For Safari, 15.28%. You mentioned Google Chrome before not being a problem, 5.86%. And as far as I know, Chrome does not use the, uh, I mean, I can double check here easily, but uh, Chrome doesn't use the uh, touch bar, but the other two apps do.
2: So your speculation here is that maybe, maybe here there's something involving the touch bar that's using excess resources
12: maybe but again it's it's inconsistent are you still there yeah i'm still here sorry the cat jumped up on the laptop <laughs> so um but it's inconsistent if you look at like male the uh av- and which i use quite often uh, the uh we're talking 0.48% average Uh, energy impact
2: well I don't know what to tell you I've got Chrome open by the way now and I'm looking to see what's going on again this is an iMac but it's the same thing it's still going to draw energy but Chrome has a Chrome helper which I guess refers to each tab that's open because there are several there are four Tabs open for Chrome helpers, all right? And there's Google Chrome, and it's taken nothing in terms of resources, CPU. In terms of memory now, let's take a look at Chrome and see what's doing compared to Safari. Safari taking, like I said, a gigabyte. Chrome, ooh, let's see. Google Chrome, 100 megabytes. It's not showing me a separate resource. Yeah, Chrome helpers, each are using like 100-something. Now, the problem with that, one is using 258 megabytes. The problem with that is if I were to open up 20 or 30 tabs in Chrome, it would suck it dry.
12: So I believe that. Now, I'm looking uh, right now. Safari have quite a few number of tabs open. Uh, 2.8 energy impact with two tabs open on Chrome
2: 4.9. Well, none of those are really doing anything that significant.
12: No. So no. iTunes is your problem there. <sighs> I mean, it's outrageous, you know, 70, 80, 90%. I mean, <laughs> hello, what what the hell is that? And it, I spent some time the, the last uh, yesterday and the day before going online trying to research Trying to find some kind of if there's if anybody reported problems, it absolutely makes no sense to me. And I keep wondering if it has something to do with the cloud.
2: All right, maybe that's an issue there. It's the interaction with iCloud. But that would show as a separate resource, wouldn't it?
12: Um actually I don't know if it would or not. I may take a look here.
2: So I uh, no, go, no, not on. that I can see. Okay. So iCloud would just be added to its resource consumption. All
12: right. I don't know
2: what to tell you. I have my iCloud and my iTunes is linked to that. That's no problem. My photo library is linked to the iCloud drive. I have 50 gigabytes for 99 cents a month. That's all I could afford. (sighs) So that's where it is. So the key here is that it sounds to me that Apple may have to do some optimizing somewhere with macOS Sierra and the software for the Touch Bar. Now, the Touch Bar is a pretty weird cat. We've mentioned this before. It's using a derivative of the Watch OS operating system and an ARM processor. So your Mac has two processors. But if that's the case, wouldn't that resource be measured separately? Well, guess not, because it's sharing
12: RAM. I don't know what to tell you. If well, again, more, I'm more concerned with the energy consumption than I am right now with the, uh, the RAM or uh, the CPU.
2: But you're not doing anything special with the touch
12: bar, are you? You're just kind of letting it run whatever it runs. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I let it, I let it uh, you know, do the default for the different apps. And part of that is I'm waiting to see how it's going to mature. In other words, I don't want to mess with it until I actually see what happens with it. I want to see who supports it and uh, get that experience.
2: Okay, so we have the mystery of the ages here. Joe Wilcox, inconsistent battery life on his 15-inch MacBook Pro with touch bar. Apparently caused by iTunes. We've got more to come on the Tech Night Owl Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
15: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
13: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G, LTE, GSM, and Sprint networks. Introducing PIX Wireless. Activate your Sprint AT&T or unlock GSM phones with PIX and choose from an arsenal of monthly plans or build your own. Starting at only 2 dollars per month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-205-9513 or PIXwireless.com, spelled P-I-X-Wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
0: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: So on the Tech Night Owl Live, Joe Wilcox, independent journalist. You see his writings over at betanews.com. And we're trying to figure out what's going on with his MacBook Pro. Apparently, Phil Schiller and Apple are working with Consumer Reports to see what's going on with those people, see if there's any problem with their script or something, if something has to be fixed. Now, to be fair, Apple is working on another Sierra update, 10.12.3. Okay, the release version is 10.12.2. I got a story for you, though. All right? So we know you have a problem that you're still investigating, Here's one that's kind of weird. I mentioned this to our previous guest, Josh Center, so I'll be brief. Our listeners know about this. I have a 17-inch MacBook Pro from 2010. It's fixed with a 500-gigabyte solid-state drive, 8 gigs memory, okay? It is the oldest MacBook Pro that could run Sierra. So I try to install Sierra on it, Joe, download it, and it gives me a message that I have to update OS 10 server first, version 5.2, the current version, except it's never run any server software ever. Ever hear anything like that? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so you think you have a weird problem. So here it is. I'm running no server software. My solution was to do a restore. Restart from recovery disk, except there was no recovery disk on there for some reason. So I did an internet recovery. Checked the drive with disk first aid. It was fine install mac os sierra perfect installation perfectly fine it's running sierra now my son has used it for a number of hours working on some projects he's a teacher in madrid and he was developing classroom materials and so he was working on it for that all right no problem whatever but the installation that was weird why would the installer think that MacBook Pro had server software. Nothing close to it. It runs a subset of what I have in the iMac. It's designed strictly for being able to recreate the most important parts of my work environment. So Word, iWork, Audio Hijack, a couple of audio editing apps, a few other things, plus the files I need. I keep it lean and mean. No extra system add-ons. Nothing. I couldn't find anything online for this, so maybe I'm the only one on the planet. The guy with the Paranormal Radio Show has a paranormal MacBook Pro. Spooky. It is.
12: What all of this makes me think about, and it's been on my mind uh, for the last couple of weeks, is that as I look more and more at Apple, and I really hate to say this, it feels more and more like Microsoft in days gone past with Windows, with the terms of uh, the kind of problems the glitches that appear and not just with mac os but also you know with with ios and it just uh, and this particular this release cycle with uh the macbook pros and the the things that are people saying about the utility of the touch bar and the battery life and you know it just feels like there's a, a an attention to detail uh in the past of quality control in the past it just isn't isn't there anymore
2: to be fair The only real problems I'm having with OS X Sierra are problems that every Mac user has with the Mac OS Finder. And these have existed since we got the new Finder in OS X. And that is, you resize the Finder window, it may or may not remember it again. You put it in a specific position, it may or may not remember it. So you have a forgetful Finder. And lots of people have that problem. I assume you do too, Joe, right? Right.
12: I do from time to time, yes.
2: Okay. I would think after all these years, after all, Mac OS X had the public beta in 2000, September, the final release or the first official release in March of 2001. So we're talking about over 15 years here. You think in 15 years, Apple would have figured out how to get the finder to remember where it's supposed to be?
12: You'd think so. <laughs> but, you know, that's legacy. And also you- it's about priorities. And, and like when you think about, uh, you know, this particular release cycle and the problem with the batteries, most people probably if they had to choose between having some newfangled touch bar and longer battery life, they'd pick the battery life. The uh, Consumer Electronics Show was going on as we were recording. And uh, one of the companies was a Samsung. I forget which which manufacturer announced a laptop with a twenty. Or maybe it was Asus. It, anyway, whoever it was, they announced a twenty-four hour battery life. Now that's something to get excited about.
2: What it basically means is because battery technology is similar everywhere, is it has a big battery.
12: But again, it's a priority. I mean, what do people want? You know, do you want to lose a half a pound from the from the laptop, or would you rather? keep that weight, and double your battery capacity. I think a lot of people would rather have that battery capacity, which is one reason why it became a hot spot for a a hot button point for consumer reports. It's a priority. It's a priority that many consumers have. Longer is better.
2: And it's not that it's bad if you're getting the spec or something close to it under those circumstances. And I have to tell you that When it comes to Consumer Reports tests, it sounds like a pretty light load. I mean, all you're doing is downloading websites over and over again. That's a proper test, a use test of a personal computer's battery life. I think that's absurd, by the way. I think they need to have a more involved test. You know, play music, watch a Netflix video, do what people do, manage email. Show us a typical user. I guess there's no typical user, but you can certainly invent a few obvious things. Just watch your kids in action. Watch what you do when you're home. It's not that hard to come up with a testing scenario.
12: You disagree? No, not at all. And uh, I mean, that's a problem with a lot of the benchmarks and whatever. In general, is they don't <clears throat> they don't measure uh, you know real world uh, usage. Uh, over at uh, you know Beta News, I uh, posted a story. Uh, it was the headline. I forget what it was it was something like you got, uh, you know, MacBook Pro with uh, touch power. How's your battery life? And a lot of people with a laptop complain about the battery life. And that was doing something I would never do, which is run uh, the uh, the brightness at only 50 or 75 percent. I run at 100 percent. So you got to think about things like this. If. People are like me, and they're going to run it at 80, 90, 100% brightness, and they're going to uh, be doing a bunch of different things at once. I mean, that's the idea of a multitasking uh, you know, laptop versus, uh, say, an iPad Pro. It, you're going to do a lot of stuff, and the, and the battery test should account for that, whether it's a third party like Consumer Reports or even uh, in-house at Apple.
2: Now, in case you're wondering, Apple does post the terms and conditions of its battery test online. So you go to apple.com, which I'll do right now here. Okay, apple.com slash MacBook Pro. All right? And you look at the page for tech specs, which is coming up right now. On the bottom of the fine print, and it's really fine. I can barely see it. They'll tell you how they test the battery. But I can't read it, so I won't tell you. But they mention things like iTunes movie playback, stuff like that. You know, doing things... That people do. In fact, what I'm probably gonna do here, just so I can read it because it's in, you know, 18th point type, is I'm gonna drop it into text edit. As we talk here, show you how we're spontaneous. Drop it into text edit. And then I'm gonna make it very large so I could read it. Okay? So we're gonna look now at what Apple says iTunes Movie Playback Test. And let's see what else they do. The Wireless Web Test measures battery life by wirelessly browsing 25 popular websites with display brightness set to 12 clicks from bottom or 75%, which isn't bad, you know, but tells you everything here, everything it does. And it seems to represent a reasonable amount of use there. It's running Safari and Mail and all that stuff. At least it's showing that there is a reasonable test being done. More to come with Joe Wilcox and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you worried about your mom
9: or dad living alone in their house?
3: Is negative
16: content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert report reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from reputationdefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771 or visit reputationdefender.com today.
2: with jill wilcox i'm gene steinberger in the tech night out live so i read part of apple's test publicized do you think it's deficient
12: no it sounds pretty good to me a lot of the benchmark kind of software i just uh, you know i question the value of it i mean at least you're you have a consistent measure across systems and even operating systems with some of the benchmark stuff but what we really want is what happens in the real world. And what you described sounds a lot closer to what uh, someone actually might do with their computer.
2: No, I think their test is a thousand times better than Consumer Reports. I personally think the Consumer Reports test is dumb. I don't think Consumer Reports, unfortunately, has a good handle on testing personal computers at all.
12: They don't um, seem to I'm, understand it. Yeah, I don't have enough information to, to make a, a comment about that. Um so I defer to your judgment.
2: But, you know, I think Apple is making an attempt to be realistic about its test results. And supposedly anyone who duplicates those results and probably takes an Apple script or something to keep repeating them over and over again should get something similar. And in the past I have. I have tried in the old days to match Apple's tests for the PowerPC chip. They tell you how powerful it is compared to an Intel chip, and I'd run Photoshop tests and everything else and automate them. And they were always pretty accurate. You know, I never had a complaint there where they said that the HP does this and the PowerPC does that and toasts the to Pentium in those early days. They were on the money, so I don't know what to say. I assume here this battery may be more sensitive to different types of use. Maybe it's power management. Maybe Apple needs to revise the memory management of Mac OS Sierra working with Touch Bar. What else can I say?
12: <laughs> You're
2: right. <laughs> we can't. Let's move on here. So Apple in 2016, I guess they thought it was a mixed bag because the Mac didn't get so much attention. But do you agree with that guy who wrote an article for Bloomberg? Do you agree with that guy that Apple was kind of sticking... Macs on the back burner, fighting to get attention
12: from Jonathan Ive? Um, I mean, I saw that article. I'm not sure I'd agree with it exactly, but also I wouldn't disagree with it either. I mean, the Mac hasn't been on the front burner, for, uh, but for obvious reasons as well. I mean, most of Apple's revenue comes from iPhone. Uh, it makes sense that the, the attention should be given to uh, that device and the operating system. Uh, also, it's clear Looking at uh, the Macbook Pro with the touch bar, there's quite a lot of engineering that went into bringing this thing to market. Uh, and uh, you know particularly we got the, as you said, the two CPUs and uh, um, two different operating systems at work. they have to interact, a lot of testing involved. So in a way, I'm not surprised we have a long um, long stretch between one between the old and the new. The question is, is the new? really, um, good enough. Did Apple have the right design priorities, bringing that to market? A lot of people were looking for that touchscreen. And it's a real question. Should there be a touchscreen? Is a touch bar enough? And I wondered about this. And if you go back all the way to the first Macintosh and look at the advertising for that, you're going to see a lot of similarities between it and for the iPhone and also for the iPad, where Apple's very touch, very finger first oriented this is at a time uh, when so much is going towards a, a touchless interaction to you know voice uh, voice activation the uh, the different digital assistants like uh, Google assistant or Amazon Alexa and I, I know Siri's out there but um, you know at a time when things are moving in another direction, Apple seems to be operating with the finger first philosophy and what I'm getting at is that, when you have a, a touch screen, you're more operating in, in the, your fingers and your eyes are operating in the same plane. When you have the touch bar, your fingers are operating in, in kind of the plane. So it's a question of uh, is the finger plane or the eye plane the best place to put your attention?
2: Well, here's the thing I think about touch screens. I've played with them, PCs. And I know that when I raise my hand to go to the touch screen, that puts extra strain on your muscles. I think that causes problems. I think it's uncomfortable. And I've talked to a lot of people who agree with me. We had a guest on just a couple of weeks ago. He bought a PC with a touch screen or one of these two-in-ones, and he never used it for the simple reason that when he tried, it was not a comfortable thing. Apple maintains that for a Mac... The traditional relationship with the keyboard and the touchpad or the mouse is the most comfortable way of getting things done. Now, obviously, with an iPad, it's meant to be all touchscreen, but the keyboard is an accommodation. And I've worked with an iPad with a keyboard, and I find it's uncomfortable unless you can do a lot of stuff with the keyboard. As soon as you have to go reaching up and down, keyboard to touchscreen, I don't think it works. You can disagree with me, but I think Apple has a point there that I agree with. It could be political, it could be engineering, it could be whatever it is. Apple says it's one thing to have a touch bar, which is just another row of keys, even if they're virtual keys on a keyboard, as opposed to putting it on the screen. Now, you can disagree, but that's, that's their belief in this thing.
12: Well, user interfaces are difficult to get right, And sometimes you can't get them right because people have different tastes. What works for one person uh, won't work for another. And that's why uh, many companies provide different user interfaces to their products. I have an experience with uh, the Chromebooks, the Googles uh, and Chrome OS. And something that really surprised me about using it, and I, I didn't expect it at first, is that when you're dealing with the browser as your motif, for uh, accessing, you know, apps and and doing things, your eyes are kept pretty much at the same plane on the screen. And uh, if you're good at typing, it's very uh, less distracting than uh, having to look down or whatever to go to like the dock um, or you know anything else at the or like a Windows um, start bar, or whatever. And so. Ah, uh, your eyes stay in one plane, single plane. Your focus is on the screen, and in that context, when you're dealing with a touch screen, even though you you may suffer some aches and pains that gorilla arm, uh, it works. I find that it can work quite well where you use both in tandem. Uh, the 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 your fingers on the screen and on the keyboard, but you use them naturally more on the screen because your eyes stay on the screen more of the time. At the we can
2: discuss this back and forth, Joe, forever, that you see the logic in it. I've tried it. I don't. And there's certainly different customer views. Apple is taking right, the point sure, that sure. it doesn't work for them.
12: And, and again, I think the question will be, is the plane of the fingers the better motif or the plane of the eyes? And I think we'll see over time, or maybe it won't matter because of, uh, you know, voice activation.
2: Hey, let's do our break now. We'll have more of this. We have Joe Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
17: Are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business? Afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business. Working around your current job schedule, creating extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com.
19: Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
14: The following is an incredible, life changing free offer for anyone with hearing problems who wants to start hearing more clearly again. We're now offering free in home trials of a revolutionary hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear to anyone who calls this special toll free number now 1 800 719 4926. Call now and you'll also qualify for free shipping. ListenClear is precisely designed by top audio engineers. It adjusts to let you find the perfect way to hear things crisply and clearly, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And ListenClear is so small and discreet, people usually don't even notice you're wearing it. And it's so lightweight... You may even forget you're wearing it too. Don't miss this special life changing opportunity to hear things more clearly again for free with a 100% free in home trial and free shipping. If you like it, you could even get free batteries for life. For free information, call now 1 800 719 4926. That's 1 800 719 4926. 1 800 719 4926. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live
3: with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
2: So Joe and I have been friends for many years, respectfully disagree about the touchscreen Vis-a-vis doing it all on the keyboard. Okay, that's on the other input devices. Let's leave it there. Apple has made a choice. Apple is known to sometimes change their viewpoint. Like when Steve Jobs said, we're not going to do a small tablet, a small iPad. And they came out with a small iPad. Now they pointed out there's a lot more screen real estate on a 7.9-inch iPad mini than the 7-inch tablet because they tend to be widescreen and the tablet was from Apple, their tablets are all standard aspect ratio, okay? So they had an argument in favor of it. They gave us an argument why we need a smartphone with no more than a four-inch screen, but Apple realized they had to sell larger screens and they found a way to make it work, sort of. So that's why you have the larger iPhones, and they were very successful and have been very successful. So Apple does change their tune sometimes. And I suppose it's possible they'll decide they have a way to do what you can already do on iPad with the keyboard and the screen to find a way to do that on the Mac in a way that they feel is more comfortable. In the meantime, to them, the touch bar is the solution. Not that the touch bar was easy to develop. Obviously, you have two processors and everything else. It probably would have been more simpler for them to have developed because they have all the code anyway, a Mac with
12: a touchscreen, don't you think? Well, let me ask you this, and I have my own answer, but I'd like to get your answer. Is the Mac even necessary? Not just a Mac, uh, any, any laptop, any, any portable computer.
2: Well, yeah, that's a good question. I think there is because I cannot do my work on iPad, The apps aren't there. I assume I can edit audio with no problem on iPad if the software were there. But part of it is Apple's restrictions for sandboxing don't allow for Audio Hijack. You're familiar
12: with Audio Hijack? Uh, Yes, I am.
2: Okay. So Audio Hijack is from Rogue Amoeba. It's an, an application that is indispensable It allows me to easily capture audio from Skype or any other application to capture audio from the entire system or to capture it from multiple sources. So I have an input device, which is an external USB mixer with an analog microphone and Skype and seamlessly mixed together. I can also adjust levels differently for each one, but I don't need to. I can adjust the levels on the mixer to match Skype. So there's no problem with that. That requires a lot of really smart programming. They've really done a good job on it. They add filters and everything. So by the time I'm editing the show, a lot of the pre-processing is done in a way that makes me able to go through a segment of the show that takes 10 minutes in 15 minutes. So it's very fast. I cannot do that on an iPad, okay? Because Apple's sandboxing won't allow audio capture. If someday they did, that would be one thing. Now, typing lots of stuff. I've been typing on a normal keyboard since I was 11 years old, and that's thousands of years ago, okay? So think about it this way. For me to get used to using an iPad for input, it doesn't work for me because, first of all, most of the keyboards are crap. I'll start with that, all right? It can still use any Bluetooth keyboard, so I guess I could take my ipad find a way to prop it up on something one of these cases and take my magic keyboard and link with it i suppose what do you think
12: well i think i, I think you've just stated a case for why we don't need the mac i'll explain i'll explain i can do 90 percent of what i need to do at least uh on an iphone and i think if you talk to um uh, particularly the younger users the millennial's uh, you'll find uh, that that's primarily that is their primary device, and that many of them would never use a a Mac or another portable, not even an an iPad. However, where there is a place for the Mac is exactly what you're doing. We're finding as PC sales slow down, and the smartphones get smarter and smarter, is that there are niche uses. You you produce a podcast. You need some robust capabilities that you're, you you can't get on these smaller devices today. In the future, maybe so. But for now, for the you know if you're doing someone's doing audio production, video production, graphics design, uh, any kind of design work, they need a more robust computer. But that's becoming more of a niche market rather than mainstream. And the mainstream, I contend, is being filled in uh, by these smaller devices. Particularly as they become more contextual in terms of their capabilities, and we certainly see a lot of that with Siri and Google Assistant, where you can, you know, ask for information, you can get directions from where you are, uh, you know, so on and so on, and uh, you know, maps, you know, whatever. And so it's they're they're contextually aware, they're with you all the time. You got your camera and everything else. Uh, with you, and that's, that's a mainstream computing device in a way the PC or the Mac was 10 years ago.
2: Let me give you another use case here. My son Grayson is 30. So he's in basically in the higher end of the millennial generation, which I think is from the 70s beyond, although some people say it's anyone born after 2000, but then how would you count them for the election? Okay. He has a MacBook Air which he uses for heavy-duty writing, preparing curriculums for his classes in Madrid. He uses his MacBook Air. So on his vacation here, which is two and a half weeks, he used my MacBook Pro for a few hours. All right? Otherwise, he has an iPhone 5C, which is, you know, on his last legs in terms of the battery, so he'll probably get a new iPhone this summer. When his cellular contract is up, and he has an Amazon Kindle of some sort, small screen. He uses that for two reasons: number one, to read books, number two to watch Netflix. That's his TV set. I think he has a real TV set at home, but that's what he uses mostly. He sits in his bed and he watches this. And he did that here as a matter of fact. You know, he'd be sitting there, we have a porta bed for him, and he'd lie in the bed. And he'd watch. That's his way of doing. So for him, he can do a lot of the stuff on the road with tablet and smartphone. But there were times he still needed the pickup truck. And that goes back to what Steve Jobs was telling us about PCs. That PCs would be the pickup trucks for the heavy-duty work that you can't do on an iPad or an iPhone. So what you're saying is in keeping with that that specialized tasks will for quite a bit of time be done on a traditional PC form factor.
12: I don't agree. It depends on where you live. I mean, here in the United States, where um, we've had, we, we, we had a legacy of laptops and people are used to them and developed apps around them, I, I think that's absolutely true. But When you look at a lot of emerging markets, where the first device that people buy is a smartphone and it's the only device that they ever buy connected uh internet device they uh uh, can do can do everything they need to do on those devices
2: well i don't disagree with you that's why we have phablets the phablet is the the all-in-one computing device yeah. yeah but the point being here is that these are also people who can't afford multiple devices they can afford one, and that's the way they do it. They have a compromise. This compromises the functions of a small tablet with a smartphone.
12: But compromise leads to innovation and uh, you know better apps and services you know, for those devices. And eventually, uh, they'll do away with the PC. Again, I'm not arguing with you because I think there's absolutely a case for uh, professionals to continue to use um, Uh, a a regular computer like a MacBook Pro.
2: Let's go and talk about this in our final segment with Joe Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap
13: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G, LTE, GSM, and Sprint networks. Introducing PIX Wireless. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, or unlock GSM phones with PIX, and choose from an arsenal of monthly plans or build your own. Starting at only 2 dollars per month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-205-9513 or PIXwireless.com, spelled P-I-X-Wireless.com.
1: Pick PIX and get connected today. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. Had it been the
0: sweet Paris air permeating the night? The intoxicating way her beauty had overtaken him. Whatever the case back then, Jordan Dunleavy is still in love with the memory of Lauren, the woman he'd lost so many years before. In Bookstore on the Seine, the journey of a conspiracy analyst, author C.L. Hendman, ties conspiracy theories, mystery, irony, and romance into this stimulating novel that masterfully interweaves the past with the present. Available on Amazon and Kindle and at bookstoreonthesine.com. That's S-E-I-N-E dot com. Bookstore
20: In a crisis, your number one need is food, but not just any food. Experts say everyone needs to have non-perishable, good-for-25-years survival food on hand in case of an emergency. Well, right now, in what is truly an unprecedented move, 72-hour survival food kits are being given away to listeners while supplies last. Survival food is more important today than ever before, explains Frank Bates, a spokesman for the company. Natural disasters, terrorist attacks, and other threats can make obtaining sufficient food impossible in an emergency. To this 72-hour survival kit has 16 servings of delicious food rated for 25 years of storage. It sells to the general public for $27 plus shipping, and it's been rated 4.5 out of 5 stars by customers who paid full price. But listeners who act quickly can get it free, just cover $9.95 shipping. Go to FreeFood2.com right now. Supplies are limited, and the program may end at any time. Go to FreeFood2.com now. That's FreeFood2.com.
3: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
2: You see, so when I say that Steve Jobs referred to the PC as the pickup truck, he meant specialized tasks for professionals, and the mobile devices would take over the rest. So on the long-term, PC sales will erode. Now, I may still not be here when most PCs are gone. I don't know. As I said before, if I had a comfortable keyboard and more flexibility with an iPad, like a 12.9-inch iPad, for example, I had that. And then I can edit my shows on it because that's just a matter of operating system and software and Apple's priorities. And just to point out here, I think one of the big problems with the iPad is it still works like an overgrown iPhone without the phone, or an overgrown iPod Touch, because it really isn't well-optimized for a tablet. It doesn't do that much more other than the side-by-side multitasking than iPhone does, and the larger display. That's it. Apple needs to do more to develop its flexibility, don't you think?
12: Uh, and Google does it with Android. I mean, Android is a, a much truer multitasking operating system. If, if I may, my, my brain's been percolating about a question you asked earlier I'd like to go back to, and that has to do with that uh, Bloomberg article. Sure. And uh, whether you know the Mac has been neglected. I think something that, that people are missing with this new release cycle is that you could argue that the new MacBooks, particularly the 15.4 inch, is really Apple looking to replace or should be looking to replace the Mac Pro. I mean, you've got a uh, a laptop that can connect, what, four monitors? It's, it's a quad core processor. I mean, that's a powerful kit in a very small size. And if you have that, why do you really need a Mac Pro? I mean, there are very, very compute-intensive uh, situations where you could argue need it needed, but I think that's an increasingly niche of a niche of a niche, whereas what that market was, even just a few years ago for the Mac Pro, you could argue the MacBook Pro could easily, with this generation, the 2016 generation, easily could fill.
2: Now, you're making an interesting point there. Let's go into that. The MacBook Pro will handle four 4K displays two 5K displays, but right now the only one is the one that just started shipping from LG. Two 5K displays plus that. Now, on the desktop side, I think Apple could do things with the iMac, for those who want that, the integrated computer with a large screen, to pretty much replace the need ever for the Mac Pro. Here's the Mac Pro's singular example right now that shows an advantage. 8-core and 12-core Xeons, all right? I'm not sure if they still have them. At one point, there was an 8-core Intel i7 processor. 8-core. Now, imagine a specialized iMac configuration. I'm sure there's a room in there because you have the Fusion drive with two drives. Two solid-state drives of up to 2 terabytes apiece, up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, and maybe they'll find a way to put 64 in there. 8-core processor. And of course, the new graphics chips will allow it to run a pair of external 5K displays. Now, with all the solid-state drives and everything, you're you're going to talk about something that's north of $4,000. But a fully equipped Mac Pro is close to $10,000. I think with a souped-up iMac, like an iMac Pro, they can come up with a computer here, less than half the price of the Mac Pro, that would fulfill 98% of its need. I'm assuming enough external ports and everything. What do you think?
12: I would still say the the MacBook Pro is the better choice. You want to make things portable. People want to have more mobility, not less. The Mac Pro has no mobility because you know it's a stationary computer, as is the iMac. Whereas if you make the portable more powerful, more robust, more capable, uh, it becomes more modular. You can attach those monitors if you need them. Uh, and external uh, storage devices, whatever, whatever, if you need them, but you still have the, the uh, portable workstation that you can carry around with you. I think that's a, a uh, if I'm a business, thinking about total cost of ownership or you know, the flexibility, utility, I'd much rather have that portable one all-in-one than a desktop all-in-one.
2: Right, but for me, I think I'd be better with the iMac because I don't travel near as much having a professional iMac, like I said, would be the option. Evidently, there's still good demand for iMacs. I think if there's a point where Apple does everything they can with the iMac and few people are buying them, which is probably the case with the Mac Pro right now, they would discontinue it, let it kind of fade out. But right now, I still see the need for both because I don't think the MacBook Pro is there yet, okay? It doesn't have the top Core i7 processor, or the best graphics on the planet. I think more things can be done now with an iMac desktop. In the future, I would agree with you. A future version of the MacBook Pro could replace more and more of the desktop needs. Not yet. I think we're arguing over what the
12: fringes here, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really arguing. I'm just, you asked my opinion, and that's what I think, but I don't just how it is. I mean, it's not like I'm I'm attached to any particular point of view here.
2: No, I do see obviously more and more of the fact that the need for the PC is less and less. My son still needs one. That's why he has his MacBook Air. And he got with the point that for the kind of work he does, he's comfortable. But remember, he grew up with a computer in his home. I had Macs through his entire life. Even when he was four years old and tossing all my files in the trash, when I wasn't looking, he had a Mac. He grew into a Mac. He even helped me at the time when I was working with customer quality feedback in the 90s, testing new Macs such as the first Bondi Blue iMac. He was there helping me with that. That's an interesting experience. story about that, Joe, is very simple. And listeners, Apple sent out hardware and software in those days. Now, anybody who has a pulse can be a public beta tester and test the new operating systems for iOS and for macOS, okay? Then only a small number of people got this privilege, and I could have had a free Bondi Blue iMac, except they fed me a final firmware update. And the coordinator said, you know what? I can't tell you that this won't break your computer. If it doesn't, keep it. It's yours, If it does break it, send it back because we have to do further testing. I think he knew that it bricked it. So I didn't get to keep the Bondi Blue iMac. But I was also working for a newspaper at the time. I was writing a column for the Arizona Republic. When I called Apple for an interview, they sent me Jonathan Ive. Little did I know. Who would have guessed, right? Right. 1998. In any case, Joe Wilcox, if our listeners want to know more about finding what you do, where can they check it out?
12: Oh well, you can go to Beta News, and uh, I don't even know the uh, URL over there. It may be something like betanews.com. Author Joe Wilcox. Just do a search; you'll you'll find me. You know, I have a personal website, joewilcox.com. On Twitter, I am at Joe Wilcox.
2: You can find us on Twitter. Look for TechNito. TechNito on Twitter. We also have a second radio show. It's the weird one. You know, like we have the psychic phenomenon. Of my MacBook Pro from 2010, wanting server software that was never installed on it. Well, the other show is called the Paracast. Go to paracast.com or theparacast.com. Take your choice. This week we have Erica Luke's. She's a investigator on UFOs and the paranormal. We'll talk about all sorts of weird events, and we've got news of a UFO sighting from Chile from 2014. It's on Huffington Post, by the way. The story from Leslie Kane. And they took a movie, a seven-minute movie of a UFO. Find out more about the show, go to paracast.com. We also have a special feature of the Tech Night Owl Live. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. It works like this. We offer you the commercial-free version of this show with better quality audio. It's kind of like the difference between regular cable, and premium cable Will you pay extra for the ad-free channels. This is our ad-free show. The Tech Night Owl Live. Go to TechNightOwl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Our prices are cheap. They start at just a dollar forty-nine every single week. So check it out. Joe Wilcox, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you, Gene.
1: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.